we're One Direction from Hollister, California. You're listening to P.F.'s Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Michael Somerville discusses how he sort of backed into the role of relationship humorist. I can't say that I have any formal training as any kind of relationship expert, but people seem to respond to my material, so I went with it. We'll hear more from Michael Somerville in just a bit. Jim Rome has some thoughts on the Wade Davis story. He's the former NFL defensive back who came out uh, late last week. We will also give you an update on the One Direction versus One Direction controversy. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. Profits at big U.S. companies broke records last year, and so did pay for CEOs. The head of a typical public company made $9.6 million in 2011, according to analysis by the Associated Press using data from Equilar, an executive pay research firm. That was up more than 6% from the previous year. So the rich have more of our money than they've ever had, and the economy still sucks. Let's cut their taxes! If Mayor Michael Bloomberg gets his way, which he usually does, New Yorkers will soon no longer be able to buy sugary drinks in servings larger than 16 ounces. And Bloomberg sees his idea as a national model in the fight against obesity. Indeed, nutrition experts say that a 16-ounce drink from a fast food restaurant may contain up to 2 ounces of soda. Use of the public transit systems is soaring across the country. Transit agencies had record or near-record ridership in the first three months of this year, thanks to high gas prices, a mild winter, and in one city, the Super Bowl. At least a dozen communities set records for the number of people riding buses, trains, and light rail, according to the American Public Transportation Association. Indeed, Americans are driving less uh, all across the board. In fact, Ann Romney is now down to driving just one Cadillac. Facebook may be preparing a membership option for children under 13, allowing them to access the social network under parental supervision, according to a report. The new option will allow children under 13 to have accounts linked to those of their parents, the Wall Street Journal reports. Parents will be able to control who their children add as a friend and which apps they use. The new features may also allow Facebook to charge parents for games and entertainment their children access. The only option moms and dads have now to monitor their kids on Facebook activity is something called parenting. And that's really hard. Pope Benedict XXVI will visit Philadelphia in 2015 to host the Vatican World Meeting of Families, he announced this week, as this year's meeting wrapped up in Milan. The pontiff will likely speak at either Franklin Field, home of football's Eagles, or Citizen Bank Park, home of baseball's Phillies. In either case, Vatican officials are taking steps to further reinforce the Pope Mobile. It'll be rough in Philly. Public schools in Jackson, Mississippi will no longer handcuff students to poles or other objects and will train staff at its alternative school on better methods of discipline. Mississippi's second largest school district agreed Friday to the settlement with the Southern Poverty Law Center, which had sued over the practice of shackling students to a pole at the district's capital city alternative school. Instead, school officials will enact a program of verbal humiliation and embarrassment. Financially struggling schools nationwide are increasing the volume of advertising that children will see in the halls, at football games, and even in their report cards. School administrators say that with a public unwilling to adequately fund K-12 education, they are obligated to find new ways to keep teachers in classrooms. One district in Michigan has changed the description of the letter grade A from excellent to great! 
GOV lawmakers on Tuesday blocked passage of the so-called Equal Pay for Women Law, or the Lily Ledbetter Bill, as it's better known. They also blocked the Yellow Ledbetter Bill, which would have given equal access to Pearl Jam B-sides. And the Brazilian Air Force Precision Flying Team will not perform in the Vectran Dayton Air Show in Ohio as scheduled because of budget problems. The Brazilian Precision Flying Team has also had several close shaves in recent months. And that's been Fake News with me. Welcome back to the show. I am Jim Rome in Los Angeles. Former NFL defensive back Wade Davis came out this week, and I think this is something you're going to see more and more, clones. Now, there is still a lot of controversy around coming out, particularly in sports, but I think we're seeing a change in society overall. A lot of people get hung up on the argument, it's a choice versus you're born that way. Okay, clones, even if it is a choice, who the hell cares? You can choose what toothpaste you want to use, but you can't choose who you want to be in an intimate relationship with? Got some emails on the topic. Dear Rome, there's something wrong in this country when gays can openly play in the NFL. Signed, Governor Rick Perry. That's from Bob in Crappington. There's something wrong in this country when gays can serve openly in the military. First of all, clones, they can't play openly. That's the issue. Secondly, stop jamming up my emails with your Anita Bryant resets and your Mel Gibson resets. They are not funny and I will not read them. Here's another one. Dear Van Slap, if I found out a teammate was gay, I'd stab him. Signed, Tracy Morgan. That's not funny. Look, clones, this is a serious matter. Gays are being bullied all over this country. So stop with the Tracy Morgan resets and the Rick Perry resets. They are not funny and I will not read them. Here's another one. Rome. I don't mind playing pickup games with gay guys, but they never pass the ball. Signed, Chris Brown. I read these from a screen. I don't know why I'm crumpling a paper, except that I think it's funny. Look, clones, whether it's a choice or not, it's a part of life. That's all there is to it. Let's say it is a choice, and a friend came up to me and said, Van Smack. Yeah, that's right. I make my friends call me Van Smack, or Romy. And when our conversation is over, I make them say, out. Anyway, let's say a friend asked me, you know, I'm not sure which way to go, Romy. I'm loyal to my side, so of course I'm going to suggest that. It's like when someone asks you, rock or country, you're going to suggest what you like. It's like someone asking, should I go on a cruise or go to Las Vegas for a vacation? There's no right answer, clones, but you know what you prefer. It's like someone asking, what do you like better, baseball or football? Yeah, I know you could like both, and you're opening up a whole can of worms there. Here's something else. I've had gay guys make the case that their side is better because of what they call the same equipment rule. Okay, if you have the same equipment, you're familiar with it, you know exactly how it works, and so you're better off on that team. I get that. I totally get that. If you had the same equipment your whole life, you're an expert at using it. I get that. I just don't buy it. Here's why. If I already have the equipment, I don't need another set. If I have a set of golf clubs, I don't need another set of golf clubs. I'd much rather have a tennis racket. If I have a set of Titleist, I don't need a set of Callaways. If I have a set of TaylorMade, I don't need to hit the links with a set of Top Flight. Get it, clones? Of course, if you really like golf, maybe you want to try a different set of clubs. But that's your choice, clones. Own as many sets of clubs as you want. I don't care. Jay Stu is tracking down a special guest right now. We'll also take your phone calls, provided that you sound as close to me as possible without sounding better.
Michael Somerville is a stand-up comedian who's found his niche as a relationship humorist. You may have seen his work on the Fine Living Network as a star of the program Wingman. You may have read his column in Glamour magazine called Jake, A Man's Opinion, uh, and that goes for the ladies or if guys are, you know, reading the enemy playbook, as they say. Uh, you've also seen him perhaps on VH1, Comedy Central, and just all over the TV. And here now is our conversation with Michael Somerville. Okay, joining us on PF Tape Recorder, it's Michael Somerville. Michael, how you doing? I'm well, man. How are you doing? Good, good. It's been a while since... I'm trying to get out of the wind here for you. I'm going inside. Sorry sounds, about that. Sounds like they're in the out-of-doors. What's that? Sounds like you're in the out-of-doors. I pretty much am on the ocean, which is similar, but now I'm going inside. Ah, okay. So it should be good. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, a lot of folks know you from... Uh, I guess the Fine Living Network, and uh, you have a web series about relationships and so forth. Did you um, did did your material develop naturally toward relationships, or were you kind of doing relationship material and other stuff, but the relationship stuff just kind of stuck with people and it went in that direction? Uh, yeah, exactly. I would say, you know, when you first start doing comedy, you just write everything. You just start trying to write things you think are funny, and I felt like audiences were gravitating towards my relationship material. Like the men, uh, one of the nicest reviews I read was uh, after shows, women want to date them and men want to buy them a beer. And so I said, all right, well, that seems like, you know, I like talking about relationships and people were laughing about my comments on them. So I just kept writing more and more. And from there, yeah, Glamour Magazine saw my show and they made me their, their dating columnist, Jake, for a couple of years. And the, the FLN people saw it. They gave me Wingman, the TV show. So... I can't say that I have any formal training as any kind of relationship expert, but people seem to respond to my material, so I went with it. Uh, did you get a little antsy, kind of being afraid you might get pigeonholed into the relationship thing and not be able to explore other uh, things of uh, you found humorous? Yeah, not really. You know, I once had an acting teacher who said the, the best thing you could ever do, but one of our audience or whatever, I'm sorry, whatever, the kids in the class that I want to get typecast, I don't want to get typecast, and, and they actually teach so the best thing in the world you could ever do for your career is get typecast, yeah. <laughs> and people will keep using you, right. and I always felt the same way, as long as people are responding and, and liking my, my thoughts and my jokes and my insights on relationships, then no, I think, you know, in this business, as you well know, you're always reinventing yourself, and you're always... Uh, you know, I'll, I'll do this for as long as it goes, and then if people stop being interested in what I have to say about that, I'll, I'll think of something else. But, you know, you see actors and all these guys constantly reinventing themselves. So for now, if people are enjoying it, I'm thrilled. So what are you working on these days apart from uh, doing your stand-up? I've been doing, I started a new blog. It's called What Men Think, um, and it's uh, the link's on my homepage, michaelsomerville.com, and it's been great because after Glamour and... and um, all that TV show, everyone wanted to keep, people kept sending me questions and keep looking for insights and asking me to write a book and do all this stuff. So I started a blog, What Men Think, and it's been a weekly blog that's been it's going fantastically. Everyone, a ton of people are reading it, I'm getting a ton of responses. And that's that sort of, between you and me and, and I guess your podcast, that's sort of kind of leading to a, a book. I, that's been my kind of grand okay. plan now. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah. So it's a nice way of, you know, having a weekly deadline to, to have to write something for people to read, and then eventually that'll that'll become a, a book within the next year. See, that's the way to do it. Do it in chunks like that, and then just tie them all together. 
Exactly. And exactly. Well, otherwise, as you know, I mean, the discipline of having a deadline is pretty yeah. important. So, yeah, it's yeah. true. So that's, that was the thinking behind it. I need, I need to set deadlines for myself. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's easier to write in chunks like that than it is to think, you know, wow, how am I going to write 300 pages about, you know, relationships? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's a little less intimidating. So is, is there something that you uh, haven't done so far that you want to do with your comedy? You know, there's always, I think there's always, I think that's the beauty of being in creative field is that you always are, you feel like you haven't quite done it. And I don't know if I could put my finger on it, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, obviously film, uh, I do a lot of short videos online, you know, uh, Love Somerville was my web series and I love doing that stuff. So I think, you know, you just, you feel like you always, you always feel like there's more, and you, I, mean, I can't tell you what it is. I'm not sure what it is, but I think that's what keeps driving me is this feeling inside that I haven't totally expressed what I want to express, not to sound artsy, but, you know, just there's something more. And I couldn't tell you what it was, but I feel like there's a lot more to be explored, and I think that's why I try to discipline myself to write and create every day. Now, um, you started in the advertising business and then uh, got yourself a taste for comedy. Did you have an interest in comedy be- before uh, before you acquired your day job, or was it uh, just something that kind of hit suddenly? No, definitely my whole life I loved comedy. I, I grew up, my parents used to tell me they would put me to bed, they'd, they'd go downstairs and watch Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show, and I would sneak down and watch the opening monologue from around the corner. I don't remember doing that, but my parents said, oh yeah, you, and we knew you were there, but we just let you do it anyway. Um, so from a young age, I loved watching Johnny Carson. I watched stand-up all through my young teen years. Uh, we had a local cable channel that had the local comedy club uh, on Friday night. They would they would broadcast it, and my buddies and I would watch it. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, I always loved stand-up, uh, but never in a million years imagined doing it. And then I got a job, and they made me get up at 7 a.m. every morning and shave every day. And I said, well, this is no good. I, I need to do something. <laughs> I, can't, I can't get out of bed every single day of the <laughs> week. So I said, stand-up sounds perfect. Um, so as I recall, uh, it, the, the, the defining moment was when uh, Andy Richter, I guess, came in to do a commercial you had written. That's right. That's yeah. right. We were... Andy Richter was the voice of our toothbrush in this campaign, and yeah, he came in, and he read one sentence, and hadn't even showered, just wearing a hat, his eyes were half closed with a cup of coffee, he, he read one sentence, and he made more money, you know, that day than I made all month, and I said, I'm on the wrong side of this business. This there you go. <laughs> so, where are you from yeah, originally? So that, what's that? So, where are you from originally? Uh, originally from uh, New Jersey, uh, born okay. in uh, northern New Jersey and live uh, in Manhattan, um, now New York City, so sort of been an East Coaster my whole life. going to say, yeah, very much. Uh, do you make it out to the West Coast uh, very often? Yeah, I'm out there. Obviously, I'm on the road pretty nonstop for shows, so I almost feel homeless at this point. But hmm. yeah, I get out to L.A. Uh, for meetings and you know the obligatory kind of rounds of shows out there a couple of times a year. Um, and then in the meantime, it's just been paying your dues on the road. I mean, it's been, I've been on the road now for a solid year and it's been I mean, it's exhausting, but it's also been great because I'm, you know, you just, you get a lot funnier when you pound it out. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you're building a lot of new material. Yep. Yep. I always writing and trying new stuff and, you know, a lot of it's in the vein of relationships, but some of it's, you know, a little different and, uh, yeah, no, just. I think that's the key to keeping it fresh and interesting for yourself is, you know, always writing new stuff, always trying to create uh, new material. Um, you know, that's, that's what keeps it interesting and fun for me. So uh, what's new in relationships that uh, that might surprise us? 
or that's uh, that's uh, that you were finding funny. What new in relationships? Well, technology is turning them on their heads. Uh, you know, I did a blog just two or three weeks ago. I mean, I, no, literally, no one ever talks anymore. And these newer couples, which I, some of my friends and myself included, are having trouble getting to know each other in relationships because when you used to date, you would start, you would talk to each other, and now text messaging and all the. And you're, I'm finding that a lot of newer couples really don't know each other very well because no one talks. They text back and forth and then they get together to have dinner and it's like a first date because they're they realize they haven't really just sat and spoken to each other uh, not to mention people get pretty brave and bold with some of the things they say over text and email and then all of a sudden when you're presented with that person live it's <laughs> you said oh my gosh i've said some things that i would not say to them live right now uh, but i've texted them certain things late night and yeah so it's an interesting dynamic happening i think technology is really i mean helpful in terms of communication but also it's kind of hurting some relationships that i've witnessed at least and probably some pretty boring conversations like sup nm you know at a dinner table it's not going to be that's going to be a very in-depth conversation yeah well exactly exactly i mean yeah you have to learn how to actually talk to a person and I mean, yeah, no, it, it's true, and yeah, the abbreviations. My girlfriend sends me email. I I don't even understand her text. Yeah, just symbols and numbers. And <laughs> it looks like she like passed out and just smashed her head off the keyboard. That's what it looks like. And I, you know, I don't even understand. She says it. Oh, it says I miss you. I was like, I thought you were being held hostage. I didn't know what that said. I just, but yeah, I, I, you know, especially these younger kids. I mean, they don't even use sentences. It's, it's amazing. Do you think it's uh, any advantages to it though? Like it's acting as any kind of a filter. To kind of maybe you know weed out the you know, the people that really don't belong together. I guess. I mean, yeah, I mean, the nice thing about it, obviously, is you're in touch with more people. I mean, I'm friends now with high school friends that I'd never without Facebook, I'd never talk to these people. Uh, except, in fact, the girl I'm dating right now is thanks to technology. We met years ago in the Hamptons, and then sort of lost touch. But because of the internet and whatnot, she saw me on TV, was able to track me down. I mean, I think there's a nice there's a nice I don't know, the added value in being able to be in touch with some people. I go to a town and I can mention that I'm going to be performing there, just like Minnesota, and all of a sudden, you know, people who would not have known me otherwise will come out because I'll, I'll tell them on Facebook and Twitter. Um, so there's definitely an upside, but I think it's just, at the end of the day, you can't get to know someone any better than if you talk to them live, you know? I mean, that's just, that's just humans, that's how we were years ago, how it was all from the cavemen. They communicated live, face-to-face, and that's how you really get to know someone, and I worry about people who aren't doing that. But uh, overall, in the, in the uh, big scope of things, have relationships changed really all that much, do you think? No, the basic thing, no, the, the relationships actually haven't changed at all. The things that make a relationship work have not changed at all, and that's the interesting thing. They're very simple. They're not easy. Um, but they're not complicated. Basic communication and respect and the, the pillars of what makes the relationship work have not changed at all over the years. Obviously, technology in the world we live in has, has morphed into a different, you know, it feels different, it looks different, but those same basic tenets still exist. That, that's the nice thing about it. You know, your parents, my parents, the same rules all apply. Uh, it's just a more advanced world now. So is the trick... Uh Maybe just to kind of take the basics we've all uh, known all along, just kind of fold them into today's society and just kind of navigate the waters that way? Well, I think that's exactly it. And I think it's 
you know, I mean, well, for example, there was just a thing on TV the other day about cheating and how Facebook and Internet and all has made cheating more prevalent and more people, it's more accessible and you're getting in touch with more people and all there's more options and, you know, but at the end of the day, it's the same basic principle. No, being faithful and, and trust and, and honesty in a relationship is an obvious, you know, pillar that must exist. And, yeah, I think it's, I think it, it is exactly as you say, just important to update, you know, and, and understand it in this world. Well, no, it's, it's just as important to be honest and, and to be faithful to your mate. It's, it's Nothing's changed. It's just, I think people like to use uh, certain things as an excuse to do what they want, but same basic stuff still exists. So what's the most common question you get for people seeking relationship advice? Oh, boy, I get a lot of them. The one recently has been you know, moving in together. A lot of people want to know, should I move in? When's too soon to move in? Uh, I've been getting a lot of that lately. And also, obviously, with the economy, it's hard. People are don't have money, so they're moving in for the wrong reasons. They're moving in to save uh-huh. money or to split the rent. And, you know, obviously, that's not a great reason <laughs> to move in with somebody. Interesting. Um, but, yeah, that's, I think, you know, the money and the economy struggles lately have, have, have really been on a lot of people's minds. Hmm. Interesting. As well as just you know, just as well as just affecting the level of romance. You know, guys don't have as much money; they're not able to maybe be as you know romantic and go to the big fancy dinner or the big expensive concert. And it's nice because I think it's forcing guys to be a little more creative rather than whip out their credit card and yeah, buy a say. fancy concert ticket. Yeah, all of a sudden you got to think a little and uh, <laughs> you know try to come up with something you know maybe a little more about her that's going to cost less. But uh, it, I think it's a, it could be an upside to it. Hmm. All right, so the, the, the key words, st- stick to the fundamentals and uh, be creative, probably. Uh... I, you know, I mean, and when you think about it, think about it, I mean, that's, that sounds like a fun relationship to me, you know? The fundamentals and be creative. I don't yeah. know how funny I'm being right now. I don't know if any of this is entertaining for your listeners. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> no, this is... This is, this is all good. Say, oh, he's got some advice. I don't want to see his comedy, but... <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, but done in a hilarious way on stage, folks. Yes, exactly. This is go. all done in a very funny fashion when I'm on stage, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, the uh, the print part of this, of course, will be in uh, City Pages the week you're up in Minnesota, and then uh, hopefully we can get you down here in Cincinnati sometime. And uh, That would be great. Yeah. I appreciate that, man. Likewise, and so it's nice to hear from you again. We'll hopefully have some more good news to talk about soon. Awesome. Great. We're looking forward to it. Um, thanks for taking the time today, Michael. All right. Take care. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. And thanks again to Michael Somerville for being on the podcast. You can catch Michael in West Nyack, New York, June 13th through 16th at Levity Live Comedy Club. He's at the House of Comedy in Minneapolis, June 20th through 24th. And he's at Junior's Last Laugh in Erie, Pennsylvania, June 28th through 30th. For more dates, go to michaelsomerville.com. Somerville is spelled S-O-M-E-R. B-I-L-L-E. Of course, we will have a link on the Podbean page of this podcast. If you're listening to us uh, any other way than besides the Podbean uh, website, you can go to pfradio.podbean.com, and then uh, we'll hook you up with all the links that you need. Okay, back on episode 41 of the podcast, we brought you the story of One Direction, a group from California who, as you know, have the same name as a pop band from Britain. And uh, a bit of controversy there, of course. One Direction USA claimed to have had the name first, and that does appear to be the case from uh, what we've been able to determine. And uh, 
The One Direction UK folks say they tried to settle the dispute amicably, but we really don't know what that means, uh, whether that means they were going to and ask them to change their name and buy them out because, you know, they're uh, under the auspices of Simon Cowell, who has more money than God, as they say. So, but I'm just speculating. I have no idea what the, what the uh, terms they tried to work out were, but One Direction USA refused, and I'm guessing because it ha had to have involved changing the name, and uh, One Direction USA do not want to do that. And I can understand why uh, lead singer Sean O'Leary got the name from something his father had told him about you only have one direction to go in this business you're starting at the bottom and so he's very uh he's very fond of the name he's very attached to it and uh on tmz harv levin uh, he's a lawyer uh accurately stated that well you know one direction uk success has kind of rubbed off on you guys and given you some exposure which is true but still one direction usa did have the name first so it would be kind of hard to change the name you know, and then you have to go, you know, work backwards and tell everybody, oh, well, we're still the same band, even though they're not as widely known. Clearly, they are becoming known. Uh, they have two fine albums under their belt. So, um, the only other news I have is that I saw a TV report where one of the band members from One Direction USA were saying how pleased they were that their album had charted. So, I'm going to assume that was either the Billboard top. 200 albums or the iTunes chart, but I'm not sure which one it was because it, it, you just said that it had charted. And uh, I was kind of hoping that it wasn't a case of, well, people maybe, uh, you know, looked it up and saw that maybe, think maybe thought it was a, a One Direction UK album, like a collection of B-sides or something. But I don't think that's the case because if you go to Amazon and look up One Direction USA, uh, at the bottom it says people also bought and it shows all the One Direction UK stuff. And if you click on One Direction USA stuff, I hope I'm not confusing you, uh, there are no reviews for the album, unfortunately, and both albums are, are, are recommended. But if I think if it were a case where people were mistakenly uh, downloading or buying One Direction USA's album, thinking it was One Direction UK, you would see a lot of angry reviews saying, uh, you know, oh, we got ripped off and this is the same group. And if you're thinking Amazon is just not going to post those, you're wrong because it, you can read for any product. People get awfully mean on the Amazon form. So anyway, that's the update we have. Currently, they're still trying to uh, work out the uh, situation, I guess. The, it's, it's still in the courts, as they say, and I guess it's going to go uh, move forward uh, it, through the legal process. So we'll update you more as we have uh, information available. In the meantime, this is a song that is not available on One Direction USA's latest album, but it is a song about the controversy. It is called Sink or Swim on PF's Tape Recorder.
rich love to step on the poor They have it all but they still want more Oh yeah How can they sleep at night Deceitful things they say Destroy decent people's lives I can't take this anymore Or show them we are so much more One Direction from Hollister, California with Sink or Swim, a song inspired by the battle they're having with a UK band with the same name. And uh, of course you can find everything you need to know about One Direction at OneDirectionUSA.com. They currently have no tour dates posted. Uh, They're mulling over some offers to play in Australia as well as playing over in Europe and I don't think they have that sorted yet but uh, as soon as they do we will let you know. Uh, Thanks again to Michael Somerville for being on the podcast. Again, uh, all the links that you need will be at pfradio.podbean.com. Now for the credits, BF Tape Recorder logo designed by Dan Koble. Follow him at Tigerdactyl on Twitter. Like this podcast on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at PF66. Music for PS Tape Recorder was composed by John Veropoulos with a little help from me. Performed by John Veropoulos and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. I think that's all the business we have here now, other than to say so long and thanks for listening. <laughs>